Hey guys, you're on air with Ella, and today's Q&A is all about my tips for drinking more water, how to handle a picky eater in your household, and juice cleansing and detox. Stick around. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss, to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey guys, it's Ella. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I cannot even tell you. I love, love, love doing these episodes with you. You guys send me a bunch of questions and you guys know I'm not a guru. I'm just somebody who eats and moves and wants to live an extraordinary life just like you. So any questions that I can answer, I love to handle on these Q&A shows. And then any that I can't or I'm not qualified to answer, it's my job to bring the experts on to answer those questions for you. So you may have noticed that the feed has been a little spare lately. And that's just because I've got a lot of things competing for priority time right now. But it brings me so much pleasure to do these shows with you. Thank you so much for your patience. Sometimes the podcast has to give just a little bit because I've got a few irons in the fire right now. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for your love and your grace as I sort of get through a really, really busy time right now and still want to deliver to you the best content. So keep those questions coming. I read every single one and I love hearing from you. So before we jump into today's Q&A, I want to offer a couple of shout outs. There's a few people I want to say hey to, and that includes a lot of people who were sharing the show and talking on social media. And I just want you to know, I see you and I appreciate you so much. Even if I don't have your name right now, I see you and I know you're out there. But a big fat hello to Megan Lawless, to Deborah or Deb. Debs, but never Debbie from Britain, Astro Buddha from iTunes, Michelle RN, Courtney Olu, M Cameron 1970, also from iTunes. Those are all iTunes handles. Her daughter says that she knows absolutely nothing, so she likes her to listen to Ella so she can get her own opinions across. Love it. And then a question from iTunes from I've tried them all. That's the that's the name she's using in iTunes. It actually shows up as I've tried them all. She says, I have a question about feeding my dog paleo and where to get information about this. Okay, I've tried them all. This is not my area of expertise, but I want to direct you to two people who have podcasts that can help you if you're interested in having a paleo pet. Check out Rob Wolf, two Bs on Rob. Wolf is just like it sounds. Check out Rob Wolf's podcast in iTunes and check out Fat Burning Man. That's Abel James, Fat Burning Man. Check out his podcast in iTunes too. He's got information about raising your paleo pet. Finally, I want to say hey to Leanne who asked about my workouts and how I train for triathlon with no time at all. And Leanne, I promise you and other folks who asked me about my workouts and that sort of thing, I will share information on that in an upcoming episode. I'm just not covering it today. But we will definitely talk about that. So I just want to let you know that was in the queue. Okay, finally, I got a great email from Coral. Coral told me that she went on the site on airwithella.com because she wanted some of the resources that I've mentioned in recent shows and she couldn't quite figure out how to navigate 
to the specific episodes. So she raised a really good issue that I want to share with all of you. If you go to onairwithella.com, what you need to do is just look at your phone or wherever you're consuming this podcast and look at the episode number. And then on the site, click on that magnifying glass, the universal symbol for search and type in that three digit number and that episode will pop right up. So hopefully that will save you some time and get you connected to the resources that you need. And frankly, that I spend some time putting together for you because I want to make these things really easy for you. I mean, there's so much information shared as you consume more and more and more podcasts. The stuff that resonates with you, I want you to be able to access with a click of a button. So Coral, thanks for the feedback. And you guys just go to the site, type in the episode number, and you should be good to go. As always, I welcome your feedback and your comments and your suggestions any way you want to reach me. So thanks, you guys. Appreciate you so much. All right. I got a question from iTunes, actually. I told you I read them all. And the iTunes handle is KBBrown1207. So whoever you are, KBBrown1207, you asked about tips for drinking more water. So of course, we all know by now that staying hydrated and truly achieving proper levels of hydration is just so critical to proper function of everything in your body, literally every process in your body. You know that already. We're not going to go into detail about that right now. What we're going to talk about is what if you don't just love water? Now, maybe you're like my friend Lee who loves water and it like brings her pleasure to drink water on a regular basis. I cannot, like I'm just not thrilled about it, but I know how good it is for me. And I know what happens to me when I don't drink enough water and I get more sluggish and I feel more sluggish and, and my skin isn't as glowy and all of these things. We already know these things, but I don't love drinking water. True confessions. I really don't like ice water at all, to tell you the truth. So yeah, I've got quite a few tips here. I'll blow through them and then I will put in the show notes. I'll actually list these out for you. So here are some of my tips and the things that I employ to make sure that I get enough water into my day. All right. The first thing I do, and you've heard me say this before, is I drink a liter of water as soon as I wake up in the morning. Now, I don't always get the whole bottle down, but even if I get three quarters of it down, it makes a big difference and it's a great way to start my day. And frankly, it's a great way to check off the box before I'm even aware or conscious or have had coffee or anything like that. So I keep a bottle of water on my nightstand and I wake up and I grab that bottle and I just start drinking and it's done by the time I get downstairs or three quarters of the way done. And as I said, I don't love ice water. So room temperature water is not a problem for me at all. Some other sort of simple tips, but certainly help increase your water consumption are to carry a bottle with you at all times. Keep one at your desk at work. I don't love keeping one in the car just because a lot of times we're keeping our water in plastic bottles and it heats up if you leave it in the car and then it's leaching chemicals from the plastic bottle and I'm just not into it. But I will carry one with me in the car as I'm running around and And if you're at a desk all day, by all means, keep that bottle of water with you and just generally treat it like a purse or a wallet and just have one with you at all times. Obviously, that's going to increase your consumption using the strategy of convenience. But in no particular order, here are a few more tips. Have a glass of water at every sort of transitional point in the day. So like I said, when you first get up or just before leaving the house or if you're just sitting down to work. So in other words, create these transition points during your day where you just drink a cup or two of water or half a bottle or something of that nature. Now, so really the strategy is instead of trying to sip on water throughout the day, you could do what I'm doing, which is more of a binge approach and you just have several instances of larger quantities. So that 
that actually helps me a lot because I'm just not about to drink a glass of water every hour. It's just not convenient for me. So I tend to go bigger less frequently. All right, something that you might not think of is to drink water with a straw. You actually drink more and you drink faster. You just do with a straw. So see if that helps. Some people put reminders in their phone or their calendar to drink at regular intervals. Some people even set the alarm. You can actually use free apps like Waterlogged or Daily Water to help track, store, and analyze your water consumption. Those are Waterlogged and Daily Water. I'll link to those. I'm not about to use an app to track my water, but I know some people jive with that sort of thing. So that's out there too. Now, a couple reminders. You can, of course, make your water more appealing. You can freeze pieces of lemons or limes, even oranges or other fruit and use them as ice cubes. So lemon freezes really well. I just posted about this on Facebook. I had no idea. I'm not going to lie. And lemons and limes, you can freeze them whole. Um, In this case, you can chunk them up into bits and put them in a Ziploc and put them in the freezer and then use them as ice cubes. So if flavored water sounds more appealing to you, then knock yourself out. I drink seltzer waters or sparkling waters far more than I drink plain still water. And so I actually enjoy putting a squeeze of lemon or lime into those. And I don't love putting fruit in my still water. I have no idea why there's a difference, but to me there is. But in any case, figure out a little recipe that works for you. And it actually can be a good transition from soda for for those of you who still have a soda habit that you're looking to move away from. So I'm sure you've heard that before, that flavoring your water with fruit or even a hint of apple cider vinegar, which is an acquired taste, um, and that sort of thing actually gives it a little bit of flavor that has added benefits and just makes it easier for some people to get down and or like I said, makes it easier to transition from soda if that's still in your day. Don't forget that hot water counts too. So if you're drinking a mug of hot water in the morning and squeezing a little lemon, maybe a dash of honey in that, that's a really lovely way to start your day and very, very detoxifying and cleansing. And it's great for that to hit your gut first. And of course that hot water counts just like cold water. Another thing that I like to do is if I'm drinking wine or any type of alcohol, I will have a glass of water if I finish that glass of wine. So for every glass of wine that I have, I have a glass of water. Now, I don't typically have more than a glass and a half of wine, but that's a very good strategy if you are having kind of a big night or if you're having a cocktail or if you're having a glass of wine. It's just to make sure that you're doing one for one and chasing that alcoholic drink with a full glass of water. Remember a tip though. If you're eating a heavy meal, I absolutely do not recommend, nor do the experts that I've had on the show before, don't recommend chugging a bunch of water throughout that meal. Either have the water a half hour before the meal or an hour and a half after the meal. But when you're chugging water during the meal, you are diluting that digestive fire as Dr. Jillian Tita has talked to us about before. And you can bloat and you just generally aren't doing yourself any favors for the most part. So if you're looking to increase your water consumption, try some of these other tips where you're maybe kind of chugging water, not excessively, not crazy. Don't take it to an extreme. I am not suggesting suggesting that you walk around with one of those empty milk cartons filled with water and carry a gallon of water around with you all day, but create strategies of convenience and anything that helps remind you. I was just talking to a young lady the other day who puts rubber bands on her water bottle and she moves the rubber band down as she consumes the water. And it's just like a little visual to help her see the progress that she's making. And then when she sees she has a little bit left, you know, she wants to chug it, get rid of it, and then refill that bottle again. So hopefully some of these strategies will work for you. Let me know what works. And if you have a strategy that's working for you that I didn't mention, send it to me. I'll share it with everybody.
Okay, I got a question, you guys, from Rutzeda. And Rutzeda, I sure hope I'm saying your name right. And if I'm not, I apologize. But she says, I have a very picky eater that won't eat veggies and only about two fruits. How can I transform her into a more healthy eater? I have been eating a plant-based diet for three and a half years, and I want to share that with my six-year-old daughter. I worry that she won't get enough calories if I don't feed her what she likes, which usually involves cheese. (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to this, honestly. And whether you have kids or not, maybe you were a picky eater, or maybe you just live with one. It's not always kids, right? So you guys shared some of your strategies when I asked you this question on Facebook, and then I did a little digging myself. Now, I'll first share my experience with you. This was never really an issue in my house because I don't believe in kid food. So when my son was younger, I never made him like his kid food meal, and then the adults had our meal, if you know what I mean. In my opinion, there's no kid food. There's real food and there's like non-food and those are your two options. And so I was not about to make him a separate dish. So he just grew up eating whatever we ate. Now around that, we had a couple of rules. And by the way, I am not a paragon of parenting virtue, okay? Please do not think that I am counseling or preaching to you in any way because everybody's got what works for them and their kids have different needs and different temperaments, et cetera, et cetera. But let me just share some things that worked for me. I did not double up on the bizarre and the new. So in other words, if I was introducing something new, then there was only one new item. And so that everything else on the plate was recognizable and in his comfort zone. Not that he, again, he wasn't a picky eater. So I didn't, this was not a struggle, but honestly, I would do this with grownups or anybody else that you're trying to help transform into a healthier lifestyle. Uh, I just would simply introduce things in baby steps. So everything else on the plate is lovely and familiar. And then there might be one new thing. Another thing that we did is our rule is you have to taste it. I'm never going to be in the business of force feeding. My parents, God love them, made me eat chicken when I was little and I never really cared for meat at all, but I had to sit there until it was gone. So it could be cold. It could be 90 minutes later. And if I wasn't finishing it, I was having it for breakfast. I'm not going to create that kind of tension in my household. I mean, people don't like everything. It's not my job to have my son like every single food that's ever set in front of him, but it is my job to encourage him to try it so that he can actually form an opinion for himself. And I will reintroduce foods that he says he doesn't like. I'll simply reintroduce them later because our taste buds change. I mean, think about the things that you loved when you were seven years old that you would never touch now or the things, I mean, there aren't many four-year-olds clamoring around asking for a kale salad. You know what I'm saying? So your taste buds change and evolve and your likes and dislikes change. So there are things that my son didn't particularly care for several years ago that he eats with pleasure now. And so in recognition of that, you know, I just keep trying. But there's a fine line between really putting pressure and creating tension and making it a thing with a capital T. That's not good for anybody. So it's a fine line and I'm not pretending to know where that line is for everybody else, but I would caution you to consider the balance between those two things. Now, one thing that I have observed, I'm just going to be honest with you, is I know some of us sometimes kind of ask our kid what they want for dinner or we say what's for dinner, but we say it with a question mark. Did you catch that? Did you see what I did there? I'm going to encourage you to take control of the menu. Like, that's your job. Don't ask your child what they want. Well, and again, I'm not just talking about kids, but serve whomever you're serving what you know they need. I don't ask the child what the child wants for dinner. I'm not in favor of catering to the picky eaters because it prolongs the picky 
eating. Make a healthy balanced meal. If they eat too much of the simple carbohydrates or the kid friendly foods that we think of like macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and jelly and that sort of thing. If they're eating too much of that, just slowly start introducing some of the more well-rounded items. Don't dump it all at once. Don't make it a thing. Don't make it a hill you're going to die on and just take this in baby steps. And I would encourage you not to talk about it or fixate on it too much. Guys, don't be worrying about your kids and their weight on either end of the spectrum. Worry about their health and their wellness, okay? That is a loaded topic, and I will bring someone on to talk about it because I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. Like, don't project the way we view our physicality and the way we view the world. Don't project that stuff on your kids, guys. They are blank slates. Help them have the healthiest relationship with their nutrition and their body that they can, and you just, you won't go wrong. All right, more on that later. Okay, I reached out to you guys too in all of your infinite wisdom and asked what tricks and tips you employ in your own household with picky eaters. And you guys had some great feedback. So on Instagram, Casey M. Dahl said, one word, smoothies. And she's right. You can get so many different vegetables into a smoothie. Uh, Spinach blends very, very well and the taste disappears. Chard is another very mild green that disappears in a smoothie. You can make it fun and make it green, or if you want to cover up the green color, you can use a higher berry ratio to the greens. Certainly include a banana that will sweeten it up. Just very, very simple, guys. Almond milk or a nut milk of your choice blended with half a banana, a handful of berries, and some spinach is just delicious. You can also make it really thick and convert it to more of an ice cream consistency. You can freeze it in pop molds and make little ice pops out of them. And kids will love it and they will have no idea that they're eating several servings of greens. On Instagram, DM Murphy Dukes also said that she purees vegetables in homemade sauces and they have no idea. She says even mac and cheese. Now, cauliflower is a great example of a vegetable that when you steam it and then puree it, it has a wonderful thick creamy consistency and you can mix that in with macaroni and cheese or you can even use the mashed cauliflower recipe that Honestly, I promise you, tastes like mashed potatoes. And you can blend in mashed cauliflower with mashed potatoes to, so that they're getting a 50-50 blend, particularly if you have a very picky eater. So cauliflower is another example of a vegetable that blends in really well and is masked very, very well. I'll post a recipe for mashed cauliflower on the site. Other options include pureeing vegetables and putting them in very, very simple soups. For some reason, soups aren't as intimidating to kids sometimes as big broccoli trees, if you will. So just mixing some quality bone broth with some steamed broccoli and blending that with an immersion blender makes a wonderful soup that is chock full of veggies and may be better received. KCM Doll had another suggestion, which was fabulous. She said, use a spiralizer. My little one loves helping me make different veggie noodles and will even eat some of them. So I will link to a spiralizer so you can see what that is. You can get those off of Amazon pretty much everywhere. And you can take any sort of squash-like vegetable, even um, potatoes and carrots, but I primarily use it for zucchini and other squash and turn it into spiralized noodles and you just saute those up. It takes no time at all to saute those and you've created a pasta-like meal entirely out of veggies. 
I also looked up a few articles on this and I will link to them in the show notes, but they had some good suggestions too about how to engage your child in the process. So did Colette over on Facebook. So Colette suggests letting kids have a choice in picking out the healthy food and giving them more ownership in that process. Take them to the farmer's market, help them see where food comes from, have them understand what real food is and what the differences are and sort of engage them into something that I don't know about you, but I I lost touch with entirely as a child. I did not know the difference between a Pop-Tart and broccoli. Like I just knew that I liked one more than the other. And when you involve them in the process, taking them to farmer's markets or even watching some of these popular uh, documentaries with them, just so that they can see where real food comes from and again, helping share in the why with them, that can allow them a little bit more ownership in this process overall. So very good suggestions from Colette on Facebook if you want to check those out. And then I'll link to the two articles that go into a little bit more detail with specific tactics on how to engage your kids more in the process. I hope that helps. As always, always, I love to hear strategies that you guys are using that are working for you. And again, I'll share them with everybody. So let me hear from you. Okay, taking a totally different direction. This question came in via email from Robin. And Robin says, hey, Ella, wanted to get your feedback on doing a juice cleanse. Do you do them? Would you recommend one? Three days max. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Robin, the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, but. So here's what I mean. There are right reasons and wrong reasons to do a juice cleanse, whether it's one day or two days or three days, and some people even do five and seven day juice cleanses. I've done one day cleanses and I've done three day cleanses, so I'll speak to you from that regard. But some of you might not be aware that I'm actually part owner in a cold pressed juice company here in the town in which I live, and that is because I believe in this product so much, and I believe in this lifestyle so much. And I believe that just adding one juice a day to most people's diet or routine would be absolutely transformative. So I'm a big believer in the power of juices and in blended healthy smoothies as well. And that experience in this business has obviously given me a lot more insight into the benefits and frankly, the risks of this sort of thing. So let me tell you what I mean. In general terms, I believe that the internets and podcasts and all of the information out there can make you feel like you need to be doing regular detoxes. And I want you to proceed with caution because as we talked about in episode 23 with Dr. Jillian Tita, your body is designed to naturally detoxify. It is naturally detoxifying right now as we speak. And the best way to open up those pathways is to consume whole foods and to move your body. Your body will do amazing things if you just give it the fuel that it needs and we get in our own way a lot of the time. So let me just reiterate that the best sort of long-term cleansing that you can do is to feed your body whole foods that it recognizes. That said, is there a role for short-term cleansing? In my opinion, absolutely yes. So like I said, there are good reasons and bad reasons to do something like a juice cleanse. Bad reasons would include thinking that this is some sort of magic bullet weight loss tool, doing something because you saw it on the internet, doing something because somebody else did it and you want to look like them. And honestly, just whatever intention you bring to the experience, if it's coming from a negative place, like I hate myself, I'm going to try this next. That mentality is not going to do you any favors. And I think you'll find that it will backfire on you. Juice cleansing for weight loss, honestly, can have very mixed results, especially depending on 
on the intention that you bring into it. That said, doing a juice cleanse can be very, very transformative. So let's talk about some good reasons to do a juice cleanse. There are thousands of stories of people who have been diagnosed with very terrible diseases and they've done juice cleansing or even extreme juice fast and they have healed themselves. I mean, the entire premise of the movie, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead with Joe Cross, and if you want more about that, you can listen to episode one because that's the very first episode that I ever did. The movie, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, documents his journey from sickness to health in 60 days because of a very extreme juice fast that he did. That's not what we're talking about here, but it is important to note that people who have been diagnosed with cancers and skin diseases and gut diseases and that sort of thing have had absolutely transformative experiences through juice cleansing. Now, that said, I think we're talking more like mainstream, relatively healthy adults. Does it make sense to do a juice cleanse? Well, some more good reasons to do that and to consider that is just that feeling when you need to reset or reboot after a period of maybe bad habits, bad eating, maybe intensive travel or a very heavy, stressful work period or anything that might be going on in your life where you just, you need to stop and you need to like check in with yourself for a bit. And doing a three-day juice cleanse is a wonderful way to sort of reset, reboot, and restart the healthy habits that you want to revisit. This works very well for me. If I find that I'm sort of in a downward spiral on a, you know, not enough sleep, heavy, heavy cravings, not making the best food choices, a one to three-day juice cleanse helps me reset and helps me reboot. That can be very, very effective. It also, somewhat relatedly, can help you identify where your cravings are coming from. If your cravings are feeling out of control and you want to hit reset, then try a three-day juice cleanse if everything else is in order. Doing a three-day juice cleanse can actually help you pause, get a grip on the cravings, and actually help minimize them. So if you're finding your cravings are out of control, this is something that you might also want to revisit. Juice cleansing also helps you identify what your triggers are. I find that when I do a three-day juice cleanse, it makes me hyper, hyper, aware of just how often I actually eat and snack and put food in my mouth for reasons other than hunger. It obviously brings your attention to when you want to eat or how much you want to eat or how often you want to eat. And it has this side effect of making you realize all the times that you're eating out of emotion or any other reason beside hunger. So I find it very, very sort of educational and informative and it always brings me new insight. Another good reason to do a juice cleanse is if you are trying to identify what some problem foods might be in your diet. So you've heard us talk about the elimination diet before. We had Sam Barefoot on, the digestion detective, and she goes into detail about the elimination diet and uncovering what your triggers might be if you're having any food sensitivities or even food allergies. It can be a little bit difficult to just cold turkey, eliminate foods from your diet and try and figure out which ones were bothering you. A juice cleanse makes a very nice transition from your standard diet into an elimination diet to help you figure out what's bugging you. Another reason, for example, that I've done juice cleanses before is to just determine what is actually causing a change in my digestion. If things are 
are slowing down or if I'm feeling particularly bloated or if my tummy's just bothering me in general, then I might find that it's time to do a one-day cleanse or a three-day cleanse just so that I can go back to my normal diet in a slightly more phased way and pay attention to how foods are affecting me. So I've also found it useful in that regard. But just as there are good reasons and bad reasons, there are good ways and bad ways to go about it. So a bad way to go about a juice cleanse would be to run to the store and buy a bunch of sujas or some other juice that's been sitting on the shelf and has a 30-day shelf life. If you're going to do this, invest in the right kind of juices for your body. Not sugar bombs, not fruit juices that are almost all apple or are designed to taste really, really good and sit on a shelf for 30 days. Those are not the same. If you are able to source cold press organic juice, do it. If you're not, make it yourself. And again, I've got resources on the site. I've got an episode all about juicing at home. I've got the episode one with Joe Cross, all of these resources on the site. I will link to each of those in this show so that to make it super easy for you to find those. But juicing at home is not difficult. Obviously, it requires a juicer. If you think you're going to do this more than once, then invest in a juicer. Otherwise, source cold press organic juices because those are alive and they are not designed to sit on a shelf for 30 days. They are not pasteurized and they are not high pressure processed in order to create shelf life. Good juice dies young. If you're going to do this, do this right. Otherwise, you're much better off just eating a salad. You're better off doing that than buying dead juices with a shelf life. Okay? So that lecture's over. The bad way to do this is to go buy a bunch of sugary blended juices or pressed juices that aren't doing you any favors. A good way to do this is to make them at home or source them with a trusted provider. If you're doing this at home or if you're sourcing it from a provider, you're you can have as many juices as you actually want and need. It's important to continue drinking water throughout the process. And if you get starving hungry to the point where this is actually going to trigger bad behavior or a backlash, then start gnawing on some fruit or some baby carrots or something crunchy but raw. And that's not going to be throwing you off of the benefits of a juice cleanse. Now, if you go strictly whole hog and you just jump on this train 100%, then not having any fiber for those three days in the raw veggies and the raw foods and that sort of thing is going to provide you a very cleansing experience and it's going to give your digestion a huge break. But but you need to do what works for you. So let me describe to you what I do. I've done a three-day juice cleanse where I did nothing but juices for 90% of the time and then I snacked on maybe an apple and some fig and some baby carrots just because I really was starting to go a little bit crazy. And that was very helpful. And frankly, by day three, I felt like a superhero. I biked that day, I ran that day, and I think I mowed the lawn that day. Like I I practically had a cape. And then another time that I tried to do a three-day juice cleanse, I was off the wagon by day two. I felt like a failure. It made me want to eat everything in sight, and it honestly triggered bad behaviors. So that's when I knew that I had gone into this with the wrong intention. I wasn't doing this for the right reasons. Now, my standard three-day juice cleanse, which I might do once a quarter, looks something like this. And this is one I've had lots of success with. I will do five to six juices and I'm talking, you know, two cups worth. So 16, 17, 18 ounces. There's no limit. You don't want to OD on fruit, but you're not going to overdo it on veggie juices with a hint of fruit in them. So knock yourself out. But again, hefty proportions and 
bone broth. That is the secret for me. Weaving bone broth in throughout that day really made a huge difference for me. And a huge part of why I do these is to check in with my gut or to heal something that's going on with my gut or just to sort of reset and reboot, as I keep saying. So doing five to six to seven juices and then doing several servings of bone broth a day for a three-day period, that has been magic for me. And that way you're getting the healthy fats, you're sticking to all liquid so it's giving your digestion a huge break but you're getting all of the collagen and the gelatin and the benefits from that bone broth which is extremely restorative for the gut we've talked about it before we'll talk about it again that combined with the juices has made a huge difference now for those of you who it raises the question about bone broth and how to do that and where to get that then go back and listen to our last episode with dr tom nixon we talk a lot about that and stay tuned for a future episode where I'm going to be talking to somebody who actually ships bone broth out to the world. So that's coming up. So that's what works for me. But here's what's going to work for you. First of all, ask yourself why you are doing this. Secondly, how are you doing this? You have to prepare in advance and you have to plan. You have to prepare yourself mentally, but you also have to buy the stuff and figure out how you're going to make it or figure out where you're getting it from. So this is not something you just decide to do and start that day. The third question to ask yourself is, what is the outcome you are seeking? How will you know whether this has been a success for you? And in determining what your successful outcome looks like, it helps you with that why, and it helps keep you going for those three days. So the very last juice cleanse that I did with the juice and the bone broth, I had a very specific why. I was actually trying to clean out my gut and sort of start over so I could figure out which foods are bothering me because I'm struggling with something. I can't pinpoint it quite yet. And it was enormously helpful to keep that why in mind because I wasn't trying to lose five pounds. I was trying to get to a very specific end. And that's what I reminded myself of during those moments where I actually struggled. So that's a long answer to a short question. It's a topic I'm very, very passionate about. I think it's easily abused. I think people can go nuts with this. I think they can do juice cleanses and fast for the wrong reasons. I think your mindset matters hugely in everything, but particularly with this. All right, that's a lot. But for those of you who I've piqued your interest, check out the site. Just type in this episode number 073 and all of the resources that I've mentioned will pop up. All right, guys, that's it for now. Keep sending your questions through. I have another show coming really soon where I have taken the questions that I can't answer and I've brought on some experts to answer them. So that Q&A episode will be dropping really soon. And I'm so excited to tell you that I have Nadine Artemis coming back on the show very, very soon to talk about oral care and self-dentistry and keeping those teeth beautifully white without toxic overload. All that's coming up. Stick around. Talk to you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.